Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 48 of the John Riley Project. It's Friday, May 3rd. Yes, it's third. Yeah, May 3rd, 2019. It's Friday. Happy Friday, TGIF. And uh, we're going to talk sports today. Um, I really want to talk about um, the Mighty 1090, uh, just one of the best, you know, the, the, actually the whole era of sports talk radio in San Diego. Um, you know, it, this is a big moment because the Mighty 1090 is gone. So I, I really want to kind of get into that. Um, but, you know, just w- what's going on right now, uh, things I'm thinking about. Uh, Padres just had a big win, 11-2 to um, in Atlanta. They're coming home for a three-game series with the L.A. Dodgers, and every game at Petco is sold out. I mean, when was the last time that's happened in San Diego? This is fantastic. I mean, people are rallying, and you know, San Diego always supports the winner. They always have, and um, it's great to see that there's buzz here with the Padres. I was talking to my buddy Dennis over at the Postal Annex here in Poway, next to Target. He's a big Dodger fan, so we've got a like a little friendly wager for lunch next week uh, to see who wins this uh, three game set in San Diego. So I'm excited about this uh, these three games that are coming up. This will be a really good test for the Padres. Should be a lot of fun. Um, but um, yeah, let's let's talk about the, 10, the, the Mighty 1090. So, you know, this is a big time sports talk radio station. You know, there, it's, we have three stations or we had three in San Diego, uh, but 1090 was clearly the leader of the three. Um, but and it was sort of like an evolution because, you know, a long time ago, it was the Mighty 690. And that's how I got introduced to all of this. Um, you know, I went to UCSD, graduated in 87. I went to work up in Los Angeles for a couple of years. And then I came back to San Diego in 1989. And that's when I first discovered um, the Mighty 690, which at the time was really kind of a like a news talk station. And then they had a, a sports segment in the in the drive time um, bit. And that was my first introduction to Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. And oh my God, was I blown away by this guy. I mean, it was like, where did he come from? Um, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton put on this awesome sports talk radio program and uh, just filled you in, not just on the main sports you know, or the big three, I would should say baseball football and basketball, but he got into auto racing and tennis and, and it was just electrified. Um, I mean, this is 1989. The internet didn't exist at all. And usually I was getting my sports updates by reading the paper, you know, or maybe, you know, if I wanted more detail on other teams, I would sometimes buy the USA Today. And, you know, I was involved in the early days there of fantasy sports and, you know, baseball rotisserie leagues. And we were always hungry for information. And, you know, before the internet, it was just so hard to get that info. And but Hamil- Lee Hacksaw Hamilton had this, and I was just—it was just awesome. Um, you know, and you know, just just some of the things that when you hear Hacksaw, you hear that voice and some of his catchphrases that. To this day, I still repeat them just when I'm talking to people, especially people that get it. My kids probably have heard them too many times, but, you know, I am bleeping brilliant. I am the franchise. Um, Poway, you know, Poway Penasquitos, get those lines lit. Um, you know, he'd have his, you know, uh, checking the high speed sports wire for the best 15 minutes in sports, you know, and this 
Lee Hacksaw Hamilton had this huge ego, which made it so fun. Um, it was just so exciting. Um, yeah, the blowtorch signal, 50,000 watts from Baja to the Canadian Rockies. And just, oh, man, I just love that. And, and then, you know, Hacksaw would go on, you know, I got my summer uh, book tour or I'd have my tour of the NFL training camps. And he just took himself so seriously to the point that he was almost a caricature of himself. And it and then every once in a while, you know, he'd have these awful gaffes, which made it so funny because he was so serious about it. And, you know, back when the Padres had Yasmani Grandal was playing ball here and he, you know, Hacksaw got tripped up in his words and he we, he started calling him Yasmani Grand Balls. <laughs> and you just picture it in the Hacksaw voice, you know, Yasmani Grand Balls, you know, and it, it's just fantastic. So I just love Hacksaw. I mean, what are some of the other ones? And, and like some of his other catchphrases have made their way onto the Jim Rome show, you know, like reaction, agree or disagree, um, you know, good night now, you know, just so many great things. So, um, just loved Hacksaw. And, you know, he really got it started. I mean, he said he, you know, I am the franchise and he is, or he was back then because, you know, he came over here from Arizona and uh, got the sports talk radio going. And, and then shortly after I came back to San Diego, it was later, I think in uh, 89, that the mighty 690 had gone from, you know, mostly news with a little bit of sports, and they went all the way. And they said, we're going to be a 24-hour sports talk radio station. And it was only the second station in America that had done it. And there was a station in New York City, WFAN had done it. So this was a big deal, you know, here on the West Coast. And then they had this signal that, I mean, it was easy. It was clear as a bell to pick up when you were in L.A., Orange County. And then at night, it would travel. I mean, literally, Baja to the Canadian Rockies. So at night, when that AM signal would skip, I mean, you get it in Northern California. And it was just awesome um, because, you know, before that, you know, we, you want to get sports news like on the radio, you get, you know, two minutes of it here or there. You know, the local news would do a little bit. Um, you know, ESPN was kind of going. But still, there was nothing sort of local. There was nothing that had some, you know, it was it was electric back then. Um, and I was just mesmerized. I mean, you know, his best 15 minutes in sports talk or sports radio. I mean, that was must listen to radio. And I remember I was working here for a, a computer company in San Diego. And one of my my um, office mates, uh, Don Begg, who I haven't seen him in a long time, but Don, a great man. And we would talk about Hacksaw. I mean, he was like, did you listen to him tonight? And and then we would like compare notes. And, and we just we were just so like mesmerized by the whole thing. It was just awesome. Um, and yeah, he was, it was like, yeah, like Hacksaw descended from another planet. Um, and then I remember the, I called in one time and this is, you know, back when, you know, my friend, my friend, Jack, who was my really still a great friend of mine from college, he had started doing baseball rotisserie leagues like in 1988 or 89. And this is before fantasy baseball got going. And, and to my buddy Jack's credit, he was actually doing it on a um, Lotus one, two, three spreadsheet. And he would get data and update. It was just mind blowing. He pulled it off in the pre-internet data uh, days. But, um, you know, I had my own little roster and back then I remember I called into Hacksaw and Tony Gwynn was on my roster 
And, you know, this is Tony Gwynn in 89, and he's still a great ball player. But, you know, in his early days, Gwynn got a lot of stolen bases. But as he got older, he, he slowed down a bit. And I remember thinking, well, I'm going to call Hacksaw because I had Gwynn on my team, and I was hoping for more stolen bases. So clearly, Hacksaw would know, right? So, you know, I call in and go, yeah, th- this is John from San Diego. <laughs> and um, what do you think about Tony Gwynn, and why isn't he getting the steals? And then Hacksaw, I can't remember what he said, but it was – you know, I'm going to I'm going to guess and try to remember it was probably something like, well, Alan Wiggins is the leadoff hitter and we expect Alan Wiggins to be the table setter and Gwynn is batting two. So he's just going to move the runner over, you know, try to punch it through the hole when they set Wiggins in motion. Yeah, I mean, just he would he would just wing it. He would freelance and get into this persona of his. And it was just awesome. So, um you know, and then I don't know if you've ever seen Lee Hamilton. I remember the first time I saw him, I was just knocked over because you, you see a guy on the radio and has this amazing voice and this huge ego. And and when you see him, you're not sure what to expect. I mean, it's almost like um, – uh, it's like seeing you know, like the first time you saw Rick Astley, <laughs> you know, you, you have this big voice and he's like a little guy. But for Hamilton, he, he was like this like mop haired guy with a big mustache and kind of a baggy clothes. And and um, it was it was I was almost like the first time I remember seeing Bill King for the first time. I don't know if you remember him, but he was the play by play guy for the Oakland A's and the Golden State Warriors. And he was fantastic, by the way. In fact, Bill King is an interesting guy. He, he His roots go all the way back with Vin Scully in New York City. Um, but um, I remember the first time I saw Bill King and I saw this guy with the handlebar mustache and I was like, whoa, who is this guy? Uh, it was a similar thing when I first saw Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. And, and then I later found out that, you know, he lives nearby. He either lives in Rancho Bernardo or Rancho Penasquitos. And both of my children, um, Shannon and Trevor, have worked over at Mama Cella's, which is a restaurant in Rancho Bernardo. And um, I remember one time my daughter came home and she said, you're not going to believe who was in our restaurant. And it was Hacksaw. And I'm like, you got to be kidding, really? And I go, what did he order? And, I, he, and he, she said, yeah, he ordered a meatball sandwich. <laughs> I could just picture it. It's like Hacksaw wants a meatball sandwich with Parmesan on top. Um, But it's just great. And and so, um, you know, you can still catch, um, you know, Lee Hacksaw, he's still, you know, in the sports radio game. He's not on the air anymore. But sometimes you'll be listening to a press conference, you know, for Aztec basketball or for the Padres. And, you know, the camera will be on, you know, Coach Dutcher or on uh, or on manager Andy Green, and then you'll hear the media firing questions. And usually, there's always some guy in the back of the room, and you can hear Hacksaw's voice. I mean, you spot it in a, in a minute. So I love that he's still involved, and and he's got his own uh, website going. He's active on social media, and um, you know, there the, he's been interviewed by a number of people. And there's a really really good um, interview of him by Scott Kaplan. And you know, Scott Kaplan the one of the other hosts on 1090 who was you know just let go, unfortunately, with the whole crew there. Um, Scott Kaplan has his own solo podcast, and he did an interview with, with Hamilton, with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, and it's fantastic because it was uh, – Kaplan was just, you know, really trying to get to know Lee as a person, but – Hacksaw's 
ego just took over and he, he was just talking about how I invented sports radio in San Diego and, and, and it just took over the whole persona of Hacksaw and it was just awesome. And so there's a few other – like if you search online, there's a few other local podcasts. I think Gwintelligence has a interview with him, but they're always so – cool um, because you get a really a glimpse into Hacksaw and, and you could tell that he would love to be back on the radio again I, and I would love for him to be back on the radio again because he's really good and he, he you know some people got tired of his style and I understand that but he he took his job very seriously and he still does and and he has such passion for what he does. And he's got this sort of old school way he goes about it. And if you can understand him and appreciate him for that, then you just love him. Um, and, you know, he came back and he was on 1090 for a while um, in the mornings and that kind of worked, kind of didn't. And but uh, but I just love Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. And he was a big part of, you know, my whole you know relationship in, with sports in San Diego, because you know, I was, uh, you know, I was born in San Francisco. I was raised on the peninsula in the Bay Area. So I was a, you know, I was born a Giants fan, 49ers, Warriors, and still a fan of the Raiders and the A's. Um, and then I came down here to to go to college at UCSD, and I was still a Sandy, a San Francisco sports guy. But I remember when I moved from L.A. back to San Diego in 89, that's when my allegiance really started to change. And then the San Diego teams became number one, and the Bay Area teams became my number two. And... 690, 1090, Hacksaw was all a big part of it. So for me, it's it's a this is a big deal. You know, the 1090 is is shutting its doors. It's it's um you know it's emotional. You know, for a lot of people, they feel like they're losing family. Um, but yeah, I mean, so anyways, I just want to I just want to retrace some of this, and, and let's talk about Jim Rome. So. Romy came over to 690, like, I don't know, maybe around in 1990 or so. And um, this is after they had gone to the 24-hour sports format. And and he had, I remember he had the Scrub Saturday show. And he called it the Scrub Saturday show because all the marquee guys got, you know, Monday through Friday, the morning time, the drive time, the midday. And it was all the the rookies, the free agents, they were the ones that got the weekend shows. And he would joke that it was the scrub Saturday show because he felt he was a scrub. Like he was just, you know, you know, a, a plebe essentially. Um, but so many um, great things came from that. Cause I remember even then listening to Rome and, you know, now Jim Rome is an, is nationally syndicated. He's incredibly famous, but he started his glossary. And I remember back then he would call people blockheads. And that was really probably one of his first, you know, he calls them the gloss, you know, some of the first terms he used to use. Um, and then, you know, his, his, um, you know, his, his, program was so unique because he was really edgy. He was really in your face and he embraced popular culture. And, and then he had this smack talk, you know, where he would, um, he was very aggressive in what he said, not at all polite, where, you know, Hacksaw was really into his own, like his big ego. Rome had a big ego, but he, he was able to direct it you know, to the outside world in a way that, you know, he would launch bombs out to the outside world, but he did it in a smart way. Um, he wasn't reckless. 
But he did it in a way to build his audience, and his audience loved him for it, and they would repeat a lot of his smack talk to the point that he started calling them clones, and that's what they are to this day. And this all started on that Scrub Saturday show. I remember I, I remember I was living in Encinitas. This is, again, in the early 90s, and I, I was renting a house with like three other guys, and you know, you just have the, you, there was no internet. So if you were hanging around the house doing whatever you're doing, you, you'd turn on the radio, and you'd listen to whoever it was, or if you're in your car driving around. And so on Saturdays, it was Jim Rome. And I, I was like, yeah, this guy's pretty cool. I like him. Um, and so he developed and he eventually got, you know, the midday spot. But actually, um, no, he went, he, he later got the, um, the, the, the late night spot. It was like from seven to 11 or seven to midnight on Monday through Friday. And, 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 Again, these are his roots, and a lot of his roots you'll hear him talk about on his show now, you know, currently in 2019. And so he would always play the bumper song before his last segment when he had the late night show was the song Up All Night by the Boomtown Rats. And he still does it now, even if he has a daytime show and, you know, it's two in the afternoon or whatever time it is that he has his very final segment, he'll always play that song up up all night. And I just think, oh, that's cool. And I bet 99% of his listeners don't get it. They don't understand it. But since I was there following him in the beginning, it just feels good. It, it, it takes me back to that time. Uh, but yeah, he ended up getting the midday spot on 690. His stature kept growing. And then suddenly he was syndicated, which, you know, that was like incredible. Like, what is syndication? Um, you know, he ended up getting picked up. I remember there was a station in Vegas, a station in Albuquerque, and maybe one other station got it going. And then eventually it steamrolled and he went nationwide and he just blew up. And then you remember... Um, he had that episode with Jim Everett, and that really put him on the map because you know he was building his audience. He went nationwide, and then he got a shot on – I don't know if it was ESPN2 or some um, uh, TV, and, and they brought his talk show to TV. And he used to always call Jim Everett Chris Everett because back then, you know, when he was the quarterback of the L.A. Rams, you know, he would – take the sack probably a little faster than a lot of other quarterbacks, you know, and he was implying that Jim Everett was soft. And so in the show, he was interviewing Jim Everett and I mean, literally a live program across the table from him. And he called him Chris and Jim Everett wasn't taking any of it. And, and he said to Rome, he says, if you call me Chris Everett one more time, that'll be the last time you call me Chris Everett. And sure enough, Rome said Chris Everett and Jim Everett flew over the table, tackled him. And it was like the buzz of sports radio and sports television. And it was that incident that made Jim Rome even bigger. Um, so it was just amazing to watch the guy. And, you know, he, he's a very skilled um, uh, radio TV guy because he knew how to you know, he was very smart in how he went about it. Um, he, when he was talking with his callers and, you know, he had his smack talk and his gloss and, you know, he was this cool, edgy guy. But when he actually had an interview with a guest, he was very different. He was very respectful. You know, he was, still had some fun, a little bit of edginess, but he would never put his interview subject on the spot. He would never embarrass them. He would never throw in gotcha questions. And I appreciated that in him. And I think that helped him build a strong rapport with a lot of those um, athletes to the point that they wanted to be on the show. You know, they didn't feel that they were in any 
jeopardy of getting zinged or being embarrassed. And so even when I ta- started this podcast, um, you know, we started by interviewing the um, the candidates here that were running for office for Poway Mayor, Poway City Council, and Poway um, you know School Board. And I kind of tried to do the same thing as I was thinking about Jim Rome. I, I was thinking, you know, these people, I want to just interview and get to know them, um, but I don't want to embarrass them. I don't want to um, make them regret the the visit because I want them to come back and I still do. Um, and so I still try to conduct my interviews that way. I think I can do a little better job at my interviewing. I think I can do better asking some more pointed questions, um, you know, keeping the pace of the interview going by interjecting. Sometimes I let my guests kind of go on a little too long. Uh, but some in some ways that makes them interesting, I think, because they get to tell their story. Um, but anyways, I, I just appreciated Jim Rome for, for how he went about his business. And then it does, it, he graduated from UC Santa Barbara right around the same time I graduated from UCSD. So, you know, here I am. i Ended up going work in the computer industry and the marketing industry, and you always look at these other guys, and I'm thinking, oh, that you think, what if, you know, like you think this goes back to Pete Neal and Eureka moments, right? What if you had made that decision at another point of your life, and instead pursued that as a career? And you know, sometimes I have those fantasies. You know, it would be fun to do that, to do what Hacksaw and Jim Rome have done and just be in the world of sports. I mean, it would be fantastic. Um, so in, in some ways, I'm trying to do a little bit of that here right now in my little podcast here in Poway. And I hope we can accomplish some of it. Um, and I think we can have some fun. But um, there's another really good interview. If you look um, uh, on YouTube and it's Darren Smith, you know, is another 1090 guy interviewing Jim Rome. And I think it's at one of the Super Bowl Radio Row interviews. And Jim Rome will talk about his roots in San Diego. And it's fantastic. It's a really good interview. So I'll include a link of that in the show notes for this podcast. But yeah, who else was there in the early days of 690? Um, Remember Steve Hartman and the Loose Cannons? And he was a good guy. He was kind of a nerdy guy, which I appreciated. And you could ask him any sports trivia question and boom, he would know it. He was incredible. And, um, you know, he built up a program with Chet Forty, who we got to know and love. And, you know, Chet Forty, um, you know, was the producer of Monday Night Football. And, you know, Chet had his own demons. Um, He eventually passed away, which was really sad. But Chet was a good guy. And he was replaced by Philly Billy Warren Dell, and you know him and Hartman were going at it. But Hartman was always still an LA guy, and he's still—I think he's still on the radio, isn't he? He's still on thirteen sixty. He's back in San Diego now. Um, but I always liked him. And there were a lot of other names from the early days of 690. Jeannie Zelasco, who you'll now sometimes see on Fox Sports. Um, I think she does some stuff with the Lakers. Um, who else? Steve Mason. Uh, John Ireland. Remember him? He was um, a KUSI sports guy. He was, on the, he was on, I think, 690 for a while. And now he's in Phoenix, and he's doing really well for himself. So John Ireland was there. Craig Elston, I think, was there in the early days, I think. And now Craig is... Um, you know, he's the VP of marketing for the San Diego Soccers, and you'll still see him helping out Scott and BR on, on 1090. And he's always kind of a big part of the San Diego sports community. Um, and um, who else? Chris Ello. I love Chris Ello. And, you know, he's doing work with the Padres now. And he's, it seemed like Craig Elston and Chris Ello were always kind of there on weekends. They, a lot of times, would do things together. Um, I always liked those guys. They were really friendly and 
They offered a lot of good content. And then Joe Tatino, the Bulldog, you know, he's been with them like forever. And I saw video clips of Tatino um, on Scott Kaplan's Twitter feed and, you know, when all the 1090 folks are being shown the door, which is just so sad. But just so many great names there. And even Coach John Cantera was there in the early days. And I think back then in 690, I think he told a story that, you know, he was almost like the uh, maintenance guy in the building. He changed the light bulbs in the offices. And then he eventually got his opportunity to get on the air. And, you know, Coach John Cantera, of course, big sports guy. You know, he, he was a coach at Torrey Pines High School. He'll tell you all the stories. So, so many good people that have come through that station. But then how about the era in Mighty 690 history when the 690 became the home of the Chargers? And then, oh, then Hacksaw blew up again. And it was Hacksaw and Jim Laslovic and I think Philly Billy. They had the three men in the booth. And they had these epic pregame and postgame shows, which were really innovative. And Hacksaw talked a lot about that in the solo podcast with Scott Kaplan, which you got to go seek out. Scott Kaplan's solo podcast with Hacksaw. It's, good. it's a really good one. Um, but remember, um, Hacksaw, you know, he sometimes get a little bit lazy. He'd be going, like, everybody into the pattern, you know, and then there was that one game. It was, um, uh, that the Chargers were playing the Seahawks and I don't know, it was a punt and the Chargers had the ball on the one and it was like, you know, Stan Humphreys and it's like first down and 99 for the Chargers. And then sure enough, Humphreys connects with Tony Martin. <laughs> they get a touchdown, a 99 yard play. And you're just like, Oh, these are just those special times, you know, cause Hacksaw was still, you know, hacksaw. He wasn't. Um, he wasn't the polished. You know. Sp- you know, play by play guy. He had all that ego, that personality, and he was. He was good. He was good at what he did, but he was still full of himself, which still made it fun. Um, if you if if you could see it for what it was, and so that was a really and you know he was the guy when the Chargers went to the Super Bowl. They had that great '94 season. They were in the Super Bowl in '95. So hacksaw was there during that era. So then, you know, then where do we go? Um, the modern era of 1090, and I'm going to call it the modern era, because I think it's around the time that 690 went off the air. I don't know why they did. And then they went to the mighty 1090, which had a strong signal, but not as good as 690. Um, and a lot of the hosts moved over. And I think the ownership was it John Lynch, I think, moved, uh, took over, or did he transition? I don't know exactly the, the mechanics of the business relationship. But then it became 1090. And then, yeah, Coach John Cantera had his own show. And I don't know if you ever listened to um, Dave and Jeff. And um, uh, they do, a, they, they, have, they used to be never, I don't think they were really ever on 1090, but they were always on the other station, like 1360, or they were on KFMB. And, um, and they still now have a really good podcast. I encourage you to check that out. And, um, you know, Jeff Dotseth, who who was always the, the snarky kind of uh, guy of that pair, um, Jet Dotseth will do the greatest impersonation of Coach John Cantera. And so whenever you hear Coach John Cantera, you hear... Jeff Dotset's impersonation of John, Coach John Cantera, which is just fantastic. Um, so, uh, yeah, Coach John was good. And then, you know, of course, Scott and BR, you know. And I remember Kaplan came over to the radio station, and I guess he had done some work with CBS in New York. And they paired him up with, you know, Billy Ray Smith. And that ended up being a really good pairing because – 
you know, in many ways, Kaplan was driving the bus and and Billy Ray was sort of would, you know, kind of compliment him. And it was just a really nice match. And Billy Ray you know, offered that San Diego credibility. Um, and then Kaplan sort of had this platform where he freelanced and and he, you know, ended up getting into a lot of trouble. I mean, he made some disparaging comments about a um, about a female uh, basketball reporter and they ended up getting fired and then they came back. And and then the other cool thing is I, I remember I would see Scott Kaplan a lot when because my son, Trevor, was the same a is the same age as his son. I think his name is Justin. And they played baseball together. So his son was at Torrey and then my son at Poway High. And so we'd, whenever the games would occur between those two teams, you know, I'd always see Scott Kaplan there. And, I, you know, I didn't really intrude and, and uh, um, you know, uh, how do I say this? You know, get in there, introduce myself. But I always saw him there and I always appreciated he was there. And he's a good guy. Um, so love seeing that. And then um, – and then, yeah, Darren Smith and Marty Caswell, you know, there's, you know, they were also part of that crew that was just let go. I always appreciated Darren Smith because he was always much more level headed than a lot of the other hosts. And he, um, very intelligent guy, um, you know, and you know, I think he used to say he wants it to be more of a high IQ sports talk radio. And he provided that. And you could tell that baseball was his first love and he's a St. John's guy. So I always appreciated him. And he let you in a little bit on his personal life. You know, I think he just got married recently. And then his his producer, Marty Caswell, wonderful. And Darren, to his credit, would let his producer essentially be his co-host. And Marty did, did a great job. And Marty's done a lot of wonderful things in, in sports radio here in San Diego and a lot of, you know, social media. And so I love those two as well. And I, you know, I don't know what Scott and BR are going to end up doing, but I, I got to believe that for sure, Darren and Marty have got to land somewhere. I mean, he's just, the two of them are just too good. Um, so hopefully their their future is bright. Um, but then, you know, then the morning show, you know, had all these different people. I remember they had Dan Cilio for a while, who was just awful. Um, you know, just bigoted and just so over-the-top football. You know, I'm more of a baseball, basketball guy, but still, I appreciate football, but it was just never in balance. It was always just so lopsided football. Um, and then just some of the comments he would make and um, – and, you know, you talk about Darren Smith being high IQ sports radio. Dan Cilio was the opposite of that. Um, so I was so happy when they jettisoned him. And then um, he ended up going what, to 97.3, the fan. And then he just got shown the door a few weeks ago. So um, anyways, but then, yeah, Hacksaw was there in the morning. And that they eventually settled in with Ben Higgins and Stephen Woods. And that ended up being a great program. And I really liked it. Um, you know, Ben Higgins, I'd always known him as, you know, the um, the TV guy. And on TV, he was, you know, pretty conservative, straight ahead. But I got to know him as a person on sports radio. And that guy is funny as hell. And his Twitter is fantastic. I mean, so Ben Higgins, you know, there's another side to him that's very witty, very sharp, that I really appreciate. And then Stephen Woods, you know, a little bit more crude, um, but I enjoyed following him and learning about his past. Uh, so again, I, I mean, Ben Higgins is going to land on his feet. I, hopefully Stephen Woods does as well. And then, yeah, you know, sometimes you'll see Hacksaw in and out of television as well, you know, since he left the radio. I know he was on, what was it, Channel 5 or Channel 6? Um, 
but I've I've often said like, have you ever seen Hacksaw and um, uh, oh, who's the other, who's that guy that was on um, on KUSI? The um, he was the Consumer Reports guy. Um, Ah man, his his name is escaping me. Why can't I think of it? Um, but he he was the guy that uh, would try to get you know the, the the business that had screwed over a customer, try to get them on the spot. And um, I always thought that Hacksaw and that other guy they looked like almost identical. Like have you ever seen him in the same place? But frick, I can't remember the guy's name. Um, it's going to come to me right after the show. If you're listening or watching, you're probably screaming it right now. Um, but um, yeah, you, you know, for me. Again, in the 90s, for me, sports radio was the golden era because it was before the Internet um, or really before the Internet became big. Um, But then, you know, my situation changed. So, you know, I started my own business in the early 2000s and then I was working from home or rather than commuting a longer distance to work, I was only commuting inside Poway. And so I was in the car a lot less. So I ended up listening to less sports radio. And then, you know, as we got into the 2010s, you know, Sirius XM became a thing. Um, And then one of my previous cars, I've talked about my electric cars. One of them was my BMW i3 that I had from, what was it, right from 2015 to 2018. That car did not have AM radio. I couldn't believe it. I remember I was, I was in the middle of buying the car and, uh, or I was leasing it through my business. And I remember when we did the final, you know, walkthrough, when they really go over all the features, I just assumed there was AM radio and I found out there was no AM radio. I'm like, what are you, are you crazy? I mean, <laughs> I have to have AM radio. And they said that uh, the i3, uh, the BMW said, because it's an electric car and the AM signal, it just, it was, ended up getting static and they didn't feel that was up to BMW's quality standards. So they just got rid of the AM signal. And I was like, oh, man. But then the guy told me that there were people that you, that could hack the BMW i3 and actually turn on the AM radio for you. Um, I never ended up pursuing it. But it was around that time I started listening to the radio less. Um, and, you know, it got to the point where, you know, I would stream 1090 sometimes when I'm like at my in my office on my computer. I would sometimes turn it on. But uh, it was still a little bit awkward. Um, you know, now within the world of podcasts and I'm doing podcasts and I'm listening to podcasts, I would still listen to them, but it still wasn't the same. It wasn't, it was more of an accessory to my life where in the nineties sports talk radio was very deeply woven into how I went about my day. Um, so it's kind of sad, you know, and, and then now the 1090 is off the air, like in our master bathroom here in our house, I have still have like a little radio that I would plug in and 1090 would, 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 I mean, the 690 came in great, right? But then the 1090 signal was not as good, but I could still get it good enough. And so in the mornings, like when I'm getting out of the shower and getting dressed, I would always have that radio station on. And now that it's gone. And then I thought, well, maybe I can find 1360 or I could find 97.3. Now, now that Cilio has gone, I'll listen to that station in the morning. But I ended up literally going, going through every station on FM and AM, and I only got Spanish language stations or Christian radio stations. I mean, there were – I probably got seven or eight of each, but I couldn't find – 
any sports radio. And granted, I live in Poway, and I'm right next to Rancher Bernardo, and the old-timers in Poway refer to RB as radio blockage. <laughs> and it's so true. It's like when you're in Ra- Rancher Bernardo, the radio signal gets really weak. And so where I am here in Poway, you know, my signal isn't all that great either. So I literally... Two days ago, I took that radio out of my bathroom and rolled up the cord and said, it's end of an era. And I put it in my garage, and it's probably going to end up going into electronics recycling or the goodwill at some point. It's kind of sad. Um, but, you know, I, th- I often wonder, like, what's the future of radio? You know, um, with so much streaming content available, and a lot of people are switching their behavior. Um, and... You know, I saw some of the ratings, you know, because the 1090 was was boasting about their ratings um, relative to 1360 and 97.3. But they were only like, you know, in the small thousands, you know, 1,000, 2,000 people listening, if I recall. Um, Still pretty modest numbers. And you think, wow, you know, you know, technology is changing. The world is changing. Um, And so. You know, what's the future of radio? So I I still will listen now to 97.3, specifically when I'm in my car and I want to listen to the Padre game. But that's probably now the only time I listen to AM or FM radio. So if I want to listen to sports, I'm typically listening to MLB station or ESPN. I probably should, you know, listen more to 97.3, but still I'm not in my car very often. So my – it just – I guess as technology has evolved, my my patterns have been disrupted. The loss of AM in my car a few years back disrupted myself. Now 1090 is gone and my radio, my bathroom, everything's disrupted. So I'm not sure what's going to happen um, with me and my behavior and what I'm going to listen to. So I'm very curious to know what's going to happen with, you know, all the 1090 guys. Um you know, when 1090 closed down, you should have seen the outpouring of emotion on social media. Um, there were people that were yeah, obviously very concerned about the well-being, the personal lives of all the people that worked at that station. Not just the hosts, but the support people, the producers, the office staff. Um, sad. And, uh, you know, to a great degree, a lot of people felt the 1090 group was like their family and their family may be jettisoned, may be dispersed. So, you know, Scott and BR, they were broadcasting from the Callaway Golf um, studio in uh, Carlsbad. Um, You know, is that a long term deal? I don't know. It feels like it's probably short term. I, I haven't actually listened or watched. I've only seen clips online. But I'm wondering if what that is going to end up being. Then, like I said, I know Darren and um, and Marty, they've got to land somewhere. Um, if not locally, maybe some other city would pick them up. But, you know, Darren just got married. I don't know about Marty's personal life, but could they move? I don't know. Um, but you wonder and you think about him. You care about him. And then, you know, Ben Higgins, you know, he's going to stick on, you know, television. He'll still have that gig. Stephen Woods, I don't know. What's he going to do? Um Tatino and you know again all these people you wonder so um, you know hopefully some of them will will do what Dave and Jeff have done and they've got their podcast going um, not sure you know how 
viable of a financial model it is for Dave and Jeff. Um, hopefully they're making some money. I know they got a Patreon page just like I do for the John Riley Project. Um, but are these guys going to evolve more into the podcasting space? I don't know. So it, it's interesting how things change. I mean, even just last night I was watching clips because, again, you get so much of your media content from social media. And then there you'll be alerted to clips from other shows. And I was just watching one about Dan Patrick. And remember, he was the ESPN host for so long, him and Keith Olbermann. And then Dan Patrick ended up leaving and he was at NBC for a while. And, and, he, and he still has his own show, which is like a podcast, but it's on television. And he was talking about some of his own health issues. And so then you're like wondering what the future is for Dan Patrick. And it's just, it's fascinating to follow all these people. Um, so anyways, um, I just wanted to do this segment about the Mighty 1090. Um, I loved uh, the 690. I, I still, to this day, Hacksaw has a very, very special place in my heart. Um, Jim Rome, um, I don't listen to him really anymore. Um, but in his days when he was here in San Diego, he was a big part of my life too. Um, and I still will listen to Rome occasionally, but again, I'm disconnected from AM radio, it seems. Um, and I still, you know, Scott, BR, Darren, Marty, uh, love them, you know, and I got to really appreciate Higgins and Woods. Um, I, you know, it, it's special. And so you just kind of wonder what the future is for them. I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for them to land in a good spot, um, you know, but I, I was just listening to, you know, the interview I, that I mentioned of Darren Smith interviewing Jim Rome. And Jim Rome said originally he was hesitant to social media, but he said, if you don't embrace the the newest thing, if you're not on the forefront, you're going to get run over from behind. And so I think that analogy is playing out here um, with the 1090 hosts. You know, they're going to have to evolve um, as the marketplace has evolved, as technology has evolved. So let's root for all of them. So best wishes to our friends at 1090. So um, Anyways, uh, you know, I give my standard plug at this point in the podcast. You know, if if you like what you're seeing here and you want to support the John Riley Project podcast, share it with a friend, share it on social media, um, let your your coworkers uh, know. Or if you're in the if you're at a little league game and you're talking to a friend in the bleachers, let them know about the John Riley Project. They just had this uh, podcast about 1090. We went walking down memory lane, <laughs> talking about 690 and hacksaw and 1090. So tell a friend. Um, and um, if you like it, you know, you can give a rating on iTunes. Um, you can, um, you know, write a review on iTunes. That would be really helpful. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, if you want to donate, you go to my website, johnreillyproject.com. You can offer a donation through our Patreon page. Um, you can, if you're a business, you want to sponsor, we'd love to have you as a sponsor. Uh, we'll talk about your business. We'll um, read ads about your business. We'll do a remote podcast at your location. So a lot of fun things we can do. So if you're interested in supporting us, reach out. There are a lot of ways that you can help me and I can help you and we can have a win-win relationship. Um, and follow me on social media. That would be great. So I've got the Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I've got my little special John Riley Project Insiders Group um, page. You know, so you can, that's a Facebook closed group, but you can request permission, answer a few questions. I let everybody in. Uh, so uh, you can reach out there as well. So 
just want to thank you all for, if you made it this far on the Mighty 1090 episode for the John Riley Project. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Um, I'm going to be like Chris Paddock, man. I'm going to be relentless. I just keep wanting to churn in these things out. Uh, but I got to leave you with a quote, and it's it's got to come from Hacksaw, right? So it's Poway Penasquitos, get those lines lit. I want to talk sports with you. So this is John Riley, the John Riley Project. Thank you for joining me. Have a great Friday. It's May 3rd, and have a wonderful weekend. Bye-bye. <music>